to Beyond the Ring, a podcast that covers all things in the stock show industry from the informative to the insane, starring Ryan Rash. If you want everyone to like you, don't be a world leader. Sell ice cream. And Dale Hummel. A dream is only a dream until you decide to make it real. Now on with the show. Welcome to Beyond the Ring. This is Dale Hummel, along with co-star Ryan Rash. Hello, hello, hello. For our listeners out there, it's a very early morning, and we know that Ryan is sometimes cranky in the morning. No, I am not cranky in the morning. You just want to talk about everything before we actually record it, and I'm like, I got the show to go to, sir. There are so many things going on in the world, but we're going to narrow, narrow, because Mr. Butterflies and Unicorns wants us to keep current events short. So we're going to try. I don't even know why you try to appease him because he's never happy. No, And he goes not. on that other podcast anyway. <laughs> it's going to be a good day. We have a, a topic I think is good. We have our, our sponsors that are, that are excited about another episode. And this one here kind of touches home with one of our sponsors a little bit. But before we get to that, tell me about Mr. Putin and Ukraine. Well, like I've been telling you for, I don't know, several months now. I don't understand why everybody is surprised by this, because if you will go back and do some research, Vladimir has stated this at least two other times. And most recently in July, the, the speech he gave, they, they say he put onto paper and sent it out pretty much to everybody. That he has said at least three times in his dictatorship of Russia or whatever you want to call it, that he believes that Ukraine is still part of Russia and he does not recognize them. As their own state, so like I, I don't I don't know why everybody is just now sitting here going, huh? What do you mean? And that's why when y'all were talking, like when Camel Toe and Joe the Hoe or whatever talking about they're going to put sanctions to deter this, I think I've said on the podcast. I know I've said to Dale, I do not think there is an amount of money or things that they can give him that is going to prevent this. He believes. That Ukraine is part of Russia. He wants it back. And the other two times that he has invaded Georgia and Crimea, oil was $100 a barrel. It's 93 I think, right now. That secures that he has the funds to go to war, wage war, etc. I mean, this all makes very much sense to me if you have studied anything about Putin. I don't think most people are, are paying attention to it, but I want to take your your Biden press secretary circle back here for a second. The comment you made right there, and this is one we need to get across, the oil prices when he when he performs an action like this, you said it's like 97, it's almost $100 right now. And obviously it's gone up dramatically. His actions drive the oil price up enough that his financial independence or financial strength becomes so much stronger that influx of dollars from oil counteracts almost any sanctions that they put on him. So it's still working to his favor. Does that make sense? And it will drive the price of oil up more, but I do not think that is his goal. I, that, no, but I think, it's, I think it allows him to do some of the things he's doing. Yeah, no, it gives him the financial security to do it right now. And whether it's sanctions or what it costs to like get Ukraine in check and all this other stuff. No, that that is part of it. And so... And I guess the whole thing, like, I don't think anybody's going to stop him. Ukraine's not going to be able to stop him. And I do not think that NATO and its members are ready for World War III. So, like, 
I think this is pretty much, it is what it is. And I'm not trying to be like disingenuous or anything. Like I feel sorry for the people of Ukraine and all this, but like Ukraine's not a member of NATO. And I don't think everyone else in the world is ready for World War III. So I think they're just probably going to have to be part of Russia again. At this point, it's, it's a necessary evil outside of, of going into World War III. And I think you stated it exactly, Ryan. And I, I am not for this happening at all. And, and obviously, as, as you talked about, Putin intends to put back the former Soviet Union. That's where he wants to be. He wants to gather all of that back up. I think he thinks that doing that not only enhances and heightens his legacy, but like some people may not know this that listen, but like he's been supposed to, like there are actually term limits in Russia. <laughs> yeah, he's supposed to be gone a long time <laughs> he's ago. He's supposed to have been gone a long time ago, but he just changes the name of the office and the position and whatever and gets himself reelected. But like I think that when he does things like that, he strengthens his hold on staying in power. He does, but I also think that like us talking about it, he's shedding light on some of the, the just just some of the crap that he's pulled that most people don't pay enough attention to. He shouldn't even be in power. But right. maybe maybe that's a good thing. Maybe we're going to shed light on something, but it's not going to change. And I agree 100% with you, Ryan, that in the situation we're in right now, Biden is sending troops to all the NATO nations and establishing them on the border as a defensive move. He has made it very, very clear several times that he will not engage with Russia. They will not go to battle with Russia in Ukraine, assumably, in his, his comments, or these are defensive maneuvers, period. If they were to invade a NATO country, which Putin is, is a very intelligent person, I think he's very deranged. I think he's got a goal to bring back the former Soviet Union to create a legacy like you've never seen. I think he's a very evil person, but I think he's very manipulative. He's been in, in a position for a long time and goes through a lot of different presidents here in the U.S. He gets it. He understands what he can do and what he can't do. And just as Ryan stated, short of World War III or nuclear options, he can walk right into Ukraine. They can't stop him. Nobody's going to step in and, and do that to avoid World War III. Again, intelligent move on his part. Are there sanctions being thrown out there? I heard about some banking and some economic sanctions, and I did hear that Biden was going to make sure the pipeline into Germany from Russia, the, the big oil pipeline that he approved here, what, I don't know, six months ago, a year ago? I don't, I don't know. He basically gave that to Russia for no reason. No negotiations took place. He just said, sure, yeah, we can let this happen or encouraged it to happen. Now he's saying that is not going to happen, which is interesting because he's that's a part of a sanction on Russia to stop that pipeline. So did he did he sanction the U.S. when he halted the Keystone Pipeline? Was that his point to, to punish the U.S. for something? Dude, who knows? I mean, this is him and the pipelines of it all. He likes crack pipes, not pipelines. I, I don't know what to tell you. It just shocks me. If, if we had the energy independence that we had a couple of years ago, we're talking about how Germany, I'm, I'm surprised that Germany did speak up here at the last minute because they're so dependent on energy from Russia. If we had the energy independence where we're actually exporting energy, we could probably cover some of the slack if people wanted to shut Russia out. If we shut Russia down on purchasing their oil, they're done. It's just like if we shut China down on all the products that they send our direction, they can't survive economically. It's too large. We've gotten a position where we're reliant on them, 
to get those products, but they're in a position that they have to have that cash flow coming from the United States. If we shut that down, we strangle them. If we shut the oil sales down from Russia, they're strangled. They're done. We don't have to do anything militarily. We can't do that if oil isn't being produced or energy isn't being produced in the West. So we're not reliant on it and we can actually supply energy to some of those countries that Russia is supplying right now. It seems very simple to me. I think it's a terrible situation for Ukraine, but I don't think anything is going to be done to prevent it. So, I mean, you know, camel toe is over there. So maybe she'll say <laughs> she, she's got it. I mean, she's she probably orchestrated. Clearly, the- her leadership in all these areas is so well proven and, you know, documented. But she secured that Ukraine border about like our southern border. Clearly, she's very good at this. Um, you know, I, I, I have a prediction. Oh, good. Even though the sanctions, I, I mean, the sanctions that Biden's throwing out there, I, I don't know how they're going to impact Russia. Obviously, Putin knew these sanctions were coming. He probably predicted pretty much what sanctions were coming and, and decided that the risk and reward is all fine, works to his favor. I believe because we are enforcing sanctions and if we enforce more sanctions, not that we haven't had cyber attacks from Russia constantly, but it's going to ramp up. And you're going to hear a little bit more about it here in the very near future, because I guarantee you he will retaliate. And that is the best way for him to retaliate because Sleepy Joe basically told him it's okay as long as we don't hit our our energy grid or we don't hit this. He gave him kind of like you can invade Ukraine, just not a full scale invade. You can cyber attack the U.S., just don't hit A, B, and C. That idiot, I, I can't even imagine that is that Oz or his handlers would let him go out and say something like that. I don't think they have any control over what he says anymore. I'm just being honest. Like, I think he, but enough about Ukraine. So I know that you have some very strong feelings about everything that is going on in the Canada of it all and the truckers and all this, but, and I want you to get all that out and let your feelings and vents and go. But I just, the one thing that I can't wait to see is because this trucker deal has now hit the United States and I, I don't know. I saw one thing yesterday that it was like 38,000 truckers. I saw something this morning that now it could be possibly 90,000 truckers. I just wonder if they're going to be treated the same way in the U.S. that they were in Canada. Pelosi's putting up the fence, I believe. A fence? A fence around the, the Capitol, like she had. Oh. That we'd put up when there was actually violent protests going on. Oh. So I, I don't know if they'll be treated. I mean, I I am shocked that the Canadian citizens have, I don't know if they put up with them. I think they're speaking out, but Prime Minister Trudeau, your boyfriend up there. How is this person my boyfriend? He seems, I I just, I, I thought you were a fan. He is not attractive. Okay, got it. I have no use for that person. You don't want to know what I think about his his actions against those truckers. <laughs> a state of the emergency or, or whatever he enacted that normally is only enacted when you're at war with another country that he he put in place so he could do what he wants with these truckers. So I want to give a couple brief examples, and then we'll come back to the U.S. trucker protest. But the the truckers in Canada, I think people have seen down the news, they were disrupting transportation. They were disrupting traffic. They were disrupting the flow across the border. All of those things, and, and, and they were guilty of that, and that was their intent. When they, they talk about them being white supremacists, racist, violent protests were going on, they did nothing. They had a bouncy house sitting out there for some of their kids to play in. There was there was nothing violent. It was a very peaceful protest, given it did disrupt shipments going from point A to B. No question. That is on there. And, and I'm against things like that in general. 
But when they're they're standing up to try to stop some of this overreach by Trudeau, I'm I'm perfectly fine with it. Obviously, I, I jump ship Ryan back and forth a little bit in terms of which direction I want to be. But he went so far, he froze those truckers' bank accounts, irregardless if it was just their trucking business or another business. A individual that donated fifty dollars through social media, that bank account account was frozen just because they contributed. They went after the people that were taking fuel to the truckers. If you had anything to do with that in any manner, they froze your bank accounts and trying to punish you. They're talking about the trucks that they've towed away, selling those and using that money to pay for for some of the, I guess what he thought was the the after effects from the protests, the damage that they've done to Canada. They're basically stripping the lives of these these truckers down to nothing and anyone that's helped them. And how that can happen in Canada is shocking to me. Absolutely shocking. This is something you would you would see in China, Russia, North Korea, a communist nation, not even a socialist nation, a true full-blown communist nation. This is something Putin would do. Or your buddy Kim Jong-un, all of those, she, they, they would do those things. Trudeau should not be doing this. And every time he speaks up about anything going on with those truckers, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's just like they're, they're attacking Canada. He's, he's so far gone on it. It just absolutely makes me cranky. I don't have much use for him. I don't understand. And, and even like one of the main organizers, I mean, they arrested this person, but they're holding that person without like, he can't be released on bail and no matter what they won't. I mean, it's just insane, but I just think it makes him look very weak overall. Like it, I can't imagine that that he's popular at this moment in Canada. And I know there's a divide in Canada similar to there is here, the East versus the West. And I understand that. But just when when you start picking on on truckers or start doing the things ruining their lives, period, their livelihood, everything, I have got to think there's a lot of sympathy up there from the population. Again, it's gonna be interesting to see how much steam this u.s one gets how many people are what they do because like we've already got enough issues with like people being divided and angry over people trying to like take away our freedoms because like people still aren't happy about being mask mandated some places still and vaccinated and all this other stuff so if Biden pulls any of this shit like he did in Canada, oh, it's going to get ugly. Oh, I think it would go south so fast. I think it'd be absolutely crazy. It's interesting. This The COVID mandates, that the wall is crumbling, the, the, the political hold that they had and control that they had when the governors, and we talked about this last time, from the blue states are, are eliminating the mandates, and Biden and the CDC still pushing to keep everything in place, it's, it's, it should be embarrassing. The level that they're they're taking this to. The one other, only other thing that I have on current events, and again, I've been in Oklahoma judging shows all week, so current events hasn't been, you know, one of those big things for me. So the mayor of New Orleans, and I don't know if any of y'all have ever been to New Orleans, but before COVID, New Orleans was one of the most fascinating, magical, interesting cities in the world. And I am not per se a people person, but the people of New Orleans, I think, is what makes it so cool even more than the drinking and the partying and all this other stuff. Because, like, they get a hurricane every year, they get wiped out, all this other stuff. And these people will not leave. 
they just rebuild and it's just truly amazing to me. And this woman has just ruined New Orleans. <laughs> she just and she still has a mask mandate in for dining if you're inside a building, all this other stuff. But yet she had a Mardi Gras party and her and all her friends were videoed without no mask. And I just had some friends return from from New Orleans. They're still having to show vaccination cards to get in restaurants. Oh yes, I, I I've been in New Orleans recently, and it's the that is the only place of anywhere that I have traveled since all this that I was asked to show my vaccination card to get into a bar to get into a restaurant. They even ask you for it at the hotel, and I asked the lady. I said, "What is this for?" and they put a sticker on your room key, uh, whether you have one or not. And she never could explain to me why that was, because you're the only person that has the room key. So I don't know. And I just said, I said, I just, I'm curious. I said, if I didn't have one, where was I not going to be allowed to check in? And she said, oh, no, 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 that's not it. But I thought it was weird. That is odd, and it's interesting, and I'm sure you found this as well. Those people, like in Illinois, in theory, we're still under a mandate, I believe, when we go indoors to the grocery store, and, and nobody's following it. The people at the door are not enforcing it. The people that are checking vaccination cards in New Orleans, that you can show them your phone, you can show them whatever. But I, I don't. There, I think we're we're civil disobedience, maybe you could you could call it for all the right reasons. And I think if there's anything that happens to this trucker convoy and they act anything like what's happening in Canada, it will get bad here. And, and I think that the people will speak up. Do you have anything else you need to address in current events? I, I the, what about what, one other, and I, I just saw this this morning, so I don't have a lot of details on it, but I have a little bit. Uh, George Gaskin, deputy district attorney in Los Angeles. Have you heard anything about him? No. Okay. So 10 years ago, there was a sex offender that offended a young girl, 10 years old, in a Disney bathroom or a public bathroom. I'm not positive on that. I apologize on, on the exact facts. The DNA evidence proved him to be guilty here recently. He was just under 18 when the act was committed a few weeks from being 18. This process, or this district attorney tries him as a juvenile, even though he's in his upper 20s. He basically was found guilty of raping a 10-year-old, sexually abusing a 10-year-old, and he comes out and talks to people about how, yeah, I, I got put in juvie even though I'm in the upper 20s. It'll never be on my record. I'm out walking free right now. Basically, he said, nothing was done to me because of this, this crazy-ass deputy district attorney that 98% of the prosecutors vote to oust him, to recall him. So I, I believe he's going to be recalled. But this is the craziness that, uh, and I, I blame a little bit on George Soros pushing all of all of the right buttons to get these district attorneys in place that refuse to prosecute anybody. It's, a, the, it's all part of the huge mess that we're in right now. We talk about crime. 20-some murders in Chicago, I believe, or shootings, or I don't Some astronomic number just over the weekend, Ryan. And this is not just Chicago, it's everywhere. I'm thoroughly confused why we haven't just spoke up, done whatever we need to do to reel this back in because it's gone so far the wrong direction in a very short period of time. I think the wall is crumbling. I think we're starting to take back some, I guess, put in place some common sense. And let's hope it keeps going that way because it concerns me. The only other thing, and I keep digging here, while we have so much focus on Ukraine, 
in so much focus on Putin. I want the world to know I do not approve of what's going on there. I do not. I think Putin's a crazy yet intelligent, evil person. All while that's going on, guess who we should really be worried about, Ryan? China. Yes, we should. Mm -hmm. And I can promise you that 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 hasn't slowed down. It's not going to slow down in Taiwan. The same situation that we we are seeing in the Ukraine, China is basically going to bring Taiwan back in. I'm not saying through military attacks or, or whatever it may be, but just like the Ukraine, when China decides to pull the trigger and bring Taiwan completely back under their control, who's going to stop them? Because we're afraid of World War III. So they're going to keep grabbing, keep doing everything they can, knowing that we're afraid to go that extra mile. And I'm with them. I do not want to be in a nuclear war, period. My concern is there is no good way to stop them. There is no good solution. Are you done now? I'm done. Okay, that's good. So I have some positive current events. And I I am sorry, last week I did not read a top 10 list for the BTRJLA. I just blanked. And so this week we had a points update last night. I'm going to read the top 10 overall hog exhibitors right now. First is Bristol Clark from Bay Springs, Mississippi, followed by Sadie Varner from Bristol, Oklahoma, and then Karis Addison Downs of Conroe, Texas. Fourth is Hunter Vallis of Conroe, Texas. Next is Sophie Varner of Bristol, Oklahoma, followed by Caitlin Thompson of Wilcox, Arizona, Paisley Ray Ogilvy of Heiko, Texas, Maya Woka of Seymour, Indiana, Tyler Seaburn of London, Ohio, and in 10th spot right now in the overall hog standings is Caden Bryant of Greenwood, Arkansas. So, I'm sorry about last week. I will try to make sure I read a different one each week. But there you go. There's your top 10 overall hog exhibitors in the BTRJLA. And since we're talking about BTRJLA, I would personally like to thank one of our sponsors, and it's a corporate sponsor, and it is Shoco. They were our very first corporate sponsor. Dale has a big love for all things Showcoat and believes in their products. And most everybody I know that has ever used them is a huge fan of them. Champion approved for years. Showcoat manufactures the best award-winning livestock grooming products for show cattle, goats, horses, sheep, and swine. No matter where you are in the country, no matter what species you have in the barn, if you're looking for the winning edge, the advanced shag strategy developed by Showcoat Solutions will change your hair growing routine overnight. They also offer step-by-step instructions. They're partnered with free product application and videos. They have game-changing customer service, and they want you to be successful. And uh, they're a great company. Uh, We appreciate them very much for their sponsorship at the BTRJLA. Ryan, thinking of that, and, and I can't believe you did not read off the young people that were doing well last week. But oh, yeah, because you clearly remembered. But with that said, Ryan and I were together in San Antonio. Quick little short story. Setting in the bleachers up towards the top. And a young lady comes up, and what does she tell you, Ryan? That she heard her name on the podcast. And that same week, what did you do? I had forgot. We had already recorded. You know what? I, <laughs> I hope you felt terrible. She was so happy that, that her name got called off, and, and rightfully so. And I hope. I hope that brings more recognition to all, all the kids out there, and it's a, it's a great thing. And Ryan is not going to forget it any further. Uh-huh. Moving on. Okay, before we get into our main topic, it is time to recognize our sponsors for this episode. As usual, 
I am the most appreciative of my UFO-believing friend at Boxel. Oh, Jesus. Here we go again. The one and only Mr. Boxel is brightening our day every day on social media. The least we can do because of his sponsorship of our program and education of the youth, the fact that he entertains us on social media, give Mr. Boxel a call. Purchase a blower. Purchase a show box. Maybe a Boxel chiller. It's starting to warm up out there just a little bit. So we appreciate Boxel Manufacturing's continued support. Thank you very much for that. This next sponsor that we've had on for quite a while, Pope Joy Livestock Hauling, kind of ties into our topic today, but it is sales season. Once again, Stephen Pope Joy is back on, on the road hauling back and forth across the country. If you have any online hauling needs, look him up on Facebook under Pope Joy Livestock Hauling. Thank you, Pope Joy and family, for sponsoring this episode. Brian, it is the main topic time. Yeah. I don't know a proper title for it. But we're gonna we're gonna go with getting your online purchase home slash hauling four one one. No, it's just hauling four one one. Well, I don't know that. I don't care. You don't get to make those decisions. <laughs> well, Nobody I, wants to hear a topic that's that's long. You you stick with what you do well, and you let me do what I do well, sir. I get calls every single day from from somebody in the country saying, "Well, if we buy something online, how do we get it home?" So I want to make sure those people listen. They they're mm-hmm. they're reaching out for that information, but. We can do that. I would like you to give us just a little bit of paint the picture of why online hauling and why why we have commercial show stock haulers today. And maybe maybe we didn't a while ago. No, we didn't because we didn't have online sales. That is why you have commercial livestock haulers now more than ever. I mean, they've always been there, but when online sales started their business boom because before online sales, you went to a live auction sale and the vast majority, I'd say 90% of the people that went to that sale took a trailer in case they bought something. And if they did, they took their little puppy home right that day. Uh, the other way that livestock were purchased for the show industry was private treaty. And again, if you were going to look at one, you normally had a trailer. Or if you didn't have a trailer, then you made arrangements to either go back and get that or that broker, breeder, whatever found a way to get your new animal to you. And so, but then when these online auctions started in the masses, you were perfect example. You have sales every three days or something like that. But anyway, and you have all these animals that people all across the country have purchased and they're still at your house and you have to find a way to get them to their new owners. Yes. And it's interesting that, that I think it has evolved that way. And Ryan, I can remember going to a live auction and if you didn't have your trailer or a way to haul those back, you'd scramble there at the auction. There's usually somebody from your area that would, would haul it back for you. But you, you basically need to get that animal out of that sale facility, right? When the sale's over, it's going home. It's just, just like that. Now we have, I had an online sale last night. After I get done recording, I will go through. You have one every two days. We do not have one every every week or two, maybe at this time mm. of year. We are in the middle of sales season, in the the heart of it. But the animals that sold last night, I will go through and, and pull up all the buyers' information this morning and contact them and say, "Hey, I'm happy to help coordinate getting your animal to you. You're welcome to come pick them up. There's maybe a family from your area that that's, that's going to be here, and we can send them back with those." But what's interesting to me is, as I mentioned briefly earlier, every time we have an online sale, I will be contacted by several people each time saying, well, I, I live in Texas. And even, even when I was in San Antonio, Ryan, we had a couple new families there that this is the first time they'd purchased from us and they were showing goats there. And 
as we visit and I get to know them, they'll say, well, the reason I never purchased one of your goats before is I I just thought it'd be too expensive or I didn't know how to get it back from Illinois without physically driving up there. So I think some people that have not participated in online sales, and Ryan, guess what? I think a lot of those people, guess where they reside? The South. Texas. That's the South, sir. And partially because there's still live sales there. I mean, more maybe than, than other parts of the country. So it is interesting that that sometimes they don't realize how available they are. And then when I give them a price on what some of these haulers are, are charging, they, they think that's extremely reasonable. And uh, it, it is a service that's out there. There's a lot of all online haulers out there that that are performing this service. And, and I think just like anything else, I I am strongly encouraging all of our buyers to to put some thought into who they want to haul their livestock. It's totally up to them. For the most part, I'm not going to make that decision for them. A lot of them will say, okay, just find the the quickest person that's going to be there to get them down to us. And, and whoever that may be, I'll, I'll touch base with them and see if we can't get that animal on there. So there's there's a lot of a lot of animals being hauled around the country. And I couldn't even tell you how many stock show commercial slash online haulers there are right now, but there are quite a few. And I think a lot of them post their schedules or their routes up on Facebook. and it's interesting every time I post a sale or we have a sale, I'll get texts from several of them. And I think it's a great idea. Ryan, you know, I get distracted on occasion. Never. Maybe even a little bit forgetful. So when they text me with their route that net, like today or yesterday when we're having a sale, that's right in front of me. And, and boom, if they're leaving here in a couple of days to head to San Antonio and, and come back up through whatever, it's right there. It's fresh. I can give that information and pass that information on to the buyers. And they'll usually get back to me fairly quick with, okay, I've contacted such and such. We've got it arranged. We're going to put them on their truck. So it's it's all it's all good. There's a lot of them, a lot of them available out there. I want to distinguish a couple things with the online hauling, and these are just questions that I normally field when we have our sales. So you have two basically two types of haulers. You have some that would like you to meet them in their hauler route, usually on an interstate. These are going to be for the most part, the less expensive ones. And you have what we call door-to-door. Ryan, are you familiar with these door-to-door guys? No. Dude, I don't I don't need a commercial hauler. I don't have any use for any of this. Ryan, you're showing your age when you say those things. No, I'm just saying I don't... I'm not actively selling animals right now. I'm not. So, like... Uh, were there commercial I'm, haulers when you were doing this? Very many of them. Uh... We would we just went and picked up our own stuff <laughs> the old fashioned way yeah <laughs> so you have you have door to door and and literally what that'll be is if they if if we have a buyer in California or a buyer in Florida wherever it may be that hauler that they've chosen is what we call door to door hauling that hauler will come to our place pick up maybe one animal and haul that to Tampa Florida and deliver it to their house literally. So with with that said, I'm, I want to kind of start with the, the door-to-door and talk some of the, the good and the bad of it. It's great that that we as sellers, we don't have to go meet them somewhere. And a lot of the haulers that, that you're meeting en route, if we have a large number, sometimes they will come to our place, but other times we have to meet them on an interstate, and that's perfectly fine. I, I get the whole concept of it. But the door-to-door, they will pick them up at the seller's place. They will drop them off at your barn or wherever you instruct them to do so. This does cost more, Ryan. Imagine that. It is more expensive, and, and people are okay with that. I, I don't know some of the numbers on there. I'm going to throw some numbers out that, that I know 
some of our clients have paid for a single goat to get from point A to B. And it's it's somewhere between that three and $500 range to have it delivered door to door compared to some of the haulers that, that you have to actually meet and route and you have to schedule them, all those things. So the door-to-door hauling, are you worried if they're a couple hours late? No, because you're really not meeting them. You don't have to drive to meet them. They're, they're coming to your place. So the convenience of door-to-door is absolutely phenomenal. We, we really, really like that. That's the clients that I deal with that want that. That's what it's all about. They're, they've got a busy work schedule. They have these different things. And when that hauler takes off, the times are going to change a little bit. They don't know if they can get away to go meet them. So they, they choose the door-to-door option. And some of the people that live in certain parts of the country, they're not on one of those main routes. And a lot of times they don't have as many choices and they have to go that, that direction. No question, more expensive. No question, one other thing, Ryan, that, that I get a little bit worried about when they do go door-to-door, and there's, there's a lot of variation in these haulers. If that hauler's driving to each individual seller and each individual buyer's place, for them to get from point A to B across the country making multiple stops, it takes considerably more time to do that. And I think the less time that animal's on the trailer, probably the better. With that said, there's a couple door-to-door haulers that I've worked with, and they do not put very many animals on that trailer, and they treat them like royalty. I mean, they they make sure you you send feed. They've got, obviously, watering uh, capabilities on, on the trailer, possibly climate controlled. I mean, it, it's, it's it's just like you're hauling to a show, essentially. So some of those are really good. Other door-to-door haulers, maybe not putting that much time and effort to make sure that everything's getting taken care of. And, and again, it's only as good as that person that's hauling them or that employee that's hauling them. And I think there's going to be variation in all those. So I strongly encourage the buyers to ask and research a little bit or ask that that breeder or that seller because they've probably worked with a few more of them. What what service do I want? Do I want the cheapest period? And and I don't I don't care how that that how crowded that animal is or whatever. That works fine. Everybody wants something different. So we can we can go that way. So I'm gonna bounce back to the haulers that you're usually meeting in route. I think I, I talked about the door to door being a little more expensive. The haulers that you meet in route with fuel prices, it's changed a little bit, but for the most part, we're between $150 and $180. On, on the lower end or, or some that still do a really, really nice job. I believe Pope Joy Livestock is is in that range and that's getting from here to California, basically. So I, I consider that very, very reasonable. There's others out there um, other than, than Stephen that are, that are doing the same. And we work with multiple haulers. I know Stephen is a sponsor of the program, so I'm going to toss as much business his way as I can because of that appreciation and the fact that he's one of the most professional ones out there and and usually sticks to his route and keeps that timetable all of those those things are very very good the best thing that i i like about the 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 haulers or meeting the hauler in route options is if if I'll, I'll use pope joy as an example if he picks up this morning ryan to head to california or we meet him somewhere he'll he'll drive he's got another another driver with him they will drive straight through they're stopping at points along the interstate, and they drive straight back. Usually, go out the northern route, come back the southern route, or vice versa, from Indiana to California. And he can basically get that done over a long weekend. So those animals, irregardless of how far they're going, they're not on that trailer very long. And and I I am a a big big fan of that, huge fan of that. So there's there's your differences, recommendations that I have for all haulers, Ryan all haulers. 
I have mm-hmm. one thing that I want to toss by you that I ran into a situation a few times, and it, it caught me off guard more so because I was not informed of it. Um, we had some some of our, our Angus cattle that were born in Canada um, that originated in Argentina, shipped down from Canada, Calgary area, actually, all the way to Illinois. And there are rules and regulations in place that you can only haul livestock so long without offloading or without stopping and, and rest and water and these things. Those those guidelines are in place that legally have to be followed. Well, some of our show stock haulers will, will just like Pope Joy, he gets on there and he goes, and I, I'm sure he's meeting all the reg, the requirements that he needs to meet. But the less of those things, the better. I've had haulers that will offload maybe at their place or another place and spend the night there and then load back up in the morning. What are your thoughts on that, Ryan? No, I mean, I don't know what you're asking me, sir. You, you would you if you're if I if I sold you a goat, and obviously it's uh-huh. not that far from here to Texas, and let's say somewhere between here and Texas, that person decided, okay, we're going to offload for the night, let those animals eat, drink, get back on the trailer, and, and proceed to Texas the next morning. That would probably be wise, I would think. You see, but... a lot of, a lot of people look at it that way. I'm probably in the minority. I get irate. Mm. My thoughts are those animals are stressed to begin with. They're probably going to eat and drink a very minimal, whether they're on the trailer being watered or fed or off the trailer. I think when you offload them in a new place with all new surroundings, all new everything, I don't know that that's lowering the stress unless it's an animal that's been hauled quite a bit and to a lot of shows, but these are usually animals that have been purchased and this is their first time being in a truck and trailer and going across the country doing any of those things. So my fear is I like the concept of it, that it sounds like a good idea. Let's let them eat, drink, rest, get a good night's sleep, all those things. But I don't know that a lot of the livestock are going to calm down. I think they're still in a stressful state and it's just prolonging that stressful state where I'd rather get them to their new home, be done, let them stop, get through the stress there. And, and settle in and acclimate. So I'm, I'm concerned with that. And one of the other things that bothered me, not that when we mix animals on, on livestock trailers from a bunch of different farms, they're obviously exposed to, to pathogens. But think about those, those facilities that you offload at. Even if they try to disinfect and clean them as best they can, to me, I, I, and this is just my opinion. Everybody else has different opinions. I, I would guess most of the people like you, Ryan, would prefer to have that done. My anxiety and all the things that come with worrying about everything you possibly can. If that facility is being used like that for livestock for weeks, months, years at a time, animals coming in and out of there from everywhere in the country, I worry that pathogen buildup there is enormous. And and again, I know they're already mixed in the trailer. I know all those things. It's just one more, one more issue that I, I think brings a, a possible stressor to that animal. So I'm I'm not a huge fan of that, and, and that's one of the recommendations that when, when I'm trying to find a hauler, I try to avoid it. If they're going a long enough distance where it's required, I get it. I understand it. Just like the cattle that, that we brought down from Canada, there was no choice. They had to do that at some point because of the length of the trip. So all of those things things are good. What do you think, Ryan, about if we, we all these haulers basically are going to make their money by the number of animals they can get on that trailer, and they've usually got um, a pin system set up? What about putting sheep in with hogs in the same pen? Mm, probably not a good idea. No, I've, I've witnessed sheep, goats, pigs, everything in the same pen. I've witnessed other haulers that if I have a 40-pound goat, they've got their own pen on the trailer that you could probably put three, four, five in there, but they won't mix them because they want to keep everything separate. So there's there's so much variation from one hauler to the next. And 
how much effort they're going to put into making sure the bedding's clean to make sure everything happens in in the right manner that I, I can assure you for those of you out there that are buying livestock that are extremely anal and picky, there's a hauler out there that you're going to be happy with. I can assure you those out there that want to get it done as cheap as you can, there's haulers out there for that. So they're all there. And I'm not saying good, bad. It's all personal preference, what you want to do. My opinion doesn't make it the only way to do it, doesn't make it right. But essentially, I want to get from point A to B as quickly as I can. I'd like them to be pinned with animals from from our farm only, ideally speaking. And I know it's not always possible. And ideally separate them if there's some older animals versus younger animals. Anything we can do to decrease the stress load on that animal, and it's not always possible, but that's that's kind of kind of where I'm at. These online haulers are going now. They go through the heat of the summer. Ryan, when we first started selling goats into Texas, my wife and our manager and I, we thought it was a good idea for us to basically deliver door to door, and we would have to do that sometimes in late June and July, and it seems to get a little warm in Texas then. You think so? Yeah, we, we, I mean, we had to go to that climate controlled trailer. We had to do some things that, that were different, but being able to meet those families that purchase from us and, and we, we just physically don't have the time. But in an ideal world, I would personally deliver every goat that was purchased and I would get to know that family. I'd get to see that facility. We can do all those things. It's not realistic anymore, but it's, it's something that I think was, was a huge benefit when, when we were able to do some of that. So those things are, are all different. Everybody has different opinions on, on what direction they should go. A suggestion that I, that I have, and I'm, I'm going long here, and I, and I understand that, the clients that I work with in general, if those online commercial haulers or show stock haulers, the biggest complaint that I get is that they're going to meet an outside of, of Dallas at 2 a.m. and the hauler doesn't get there until 5 a.m. and they didn't get a call until about 5 a.m. that they were getting close and I can only imagine Ryan you're organized enough to do it but I have a hard enough time just organizing the animals that are going on the the each hauler's load of my own and then I think about that hauler from multiple sellers going to multiple buyers keeping all that straight is obviously it can be done and they're doing it all the time but it's there's a lot of organization in, involved in this, and I think one thing if they they would put into their formula, let's update those those families that hey I'm ahead of schedule I'm behind schedule let's let's adapt as best we can, and that takes me into into one other thing, Ryan. If you're if you're leaving Texas and hauling up to Illinois or go go the opposite direction there, let's say you've got to stop at at six meet six different sellers and twenty five different buyers. So you're stopping along the interstate each each stop on the way up at a coordinated meeting spot. Hopefully several people can meet you at one spot. What happens if one of those buyers is late? I'm sure you're going to inform us. Well, yeah. I mean, but if you're delivering to 25 buyers and three or four of them are each at different stops or running considerably late, that, that screws up that whole, that whole hauler schedule. And because of that one person being late, all those animals are staying in the truck that much longer. And some of the haulers will wait around for quite a while for these people. Others, if you're not there within a few minutes of the set time, they're going to go. And that's a, that's a big issue. Then all of a sudden as a seller, you've got an animal wandering on a trailer somewhere where you have no idea where what's going to happen. The buyer's trying to figure out how to get that back on the next load or whatever it may be. But I understand that when, when a hauler has a schedule, I strongly recommend those buyers try to be early just out of courteous because 
that hauler's got so many stops to make that they have to try to stay in that schedule the best they can. And more times than not, a lot of the haulers are going to be late. But guess what? Part of that is because they're waiting on other people that were late at the previous stops. So it's it's interesting. And I know a lot of people want to visit with the, with the haulers and talk about how their trip was and so forth. They need to get the animals off, give them the information, be cordial, let them get on their way because they've got to stay in that schedule. If they've got a big load on there, lots of animals deliver, I want to get from point A to B as quickly as, as physically possible. Summertime, make sure there's ventilation this time of year, some type of climate control. Not many have heaters on them, but usually the, the trailers have enough animal heat. They're closed up. The bedding is good. If we're sending slick sheared goats out, Ryan, even if they're going to Texas, we're going to put a blanket or a slinky or something on them just to get them out of the north to, to try to help a little bit. I, I don't know about the traditional blankets. Sometimes their legs get caught in it, things like that. The haulers would prefer they didn't have them on because it's just another thing that, that can be, be an issue. So there's, there's all of those things. Buyer recommendations. I talked about researching the haulers, breeder, broker, ask for recommendations, whatever you can do. Build a rapport. If you're buying online all the time, you're going to find haulers that, that you prefer. Don't be afraid to reach out. And obviously, it's human nature. If you have somebody that's done a good job, go back to them. Even if it's one that that maybe isn't going to be the quickest, if that, that seller's okay with keeping them a week longer or whatever it is to get them on the truck you want, I think most of those sellers are going to do that for you. I talked about being at the meeting location on time or early, so we don't don't make that hauler late for the next next appointment. Work out a payment method ahead of time. A lot of buyers say, well, how do we how do we pay you or do I pay you direct? No, I, I try to stay out of that as much as I can. You're going to pay those haulers direct. Some require cash. Some probably require Venmo. Some will take a check. I, I'm not sure each hauler is different, but make sure to be clear because they, there are differences out there. When you come to pick up the animal, and right now we're sending goats out that are slick shorn, Let's put some thought into it. Let's make sure we bring a trailer or popper that we can close up and, and keep the, the airflow off of them, keep them just a little bit warm, maybe bed in deep straw, something like that. And the last one that I want to want to touch on is the seller recommendations. When I when I go through and call all the, the buyers and start to to get a schedule set up on where all these goats are going and who's hauling them, I will normally try to provide that hauler with a text that has the buyer's name, the buyer's cell number, their location, and a clearly identified animal ID. In our case, it'd just be the the Hummel ear tag. And if they've got that, the seller's got it. Our crew here, when they're loading the trailer, has a copy of it. Everybody has that. And my anxiety makes me check those things three or four times, even once they're on the trailer, to make sure we don't send the wrong one. And we have, <clears throat> excuse me, we have had a goat that was supposed to go to Michigan that got loaded for Texas. We, mistakes are going to be made. And you just be as straight up with the, the, the owner that, hey, I screwed up. I sent your darn, your show goat to Texas, and it's not going to be good for him. There's nothing positive about it. But we're going we're gonna to make this up to you and, and do whatever we need to, to to make it right. And we'll get your goat back here and give you a discount or, or whatever we need to do. So those things are going gonna, to gonna happen. The other thing that you hear haulers not very happy with some sellers on is health papers. If, if you're just hauling within state or, or depending on the species or the state you're going to, some of the states are very specific that, and, and very, I guess, detailed about making sure those animals come in with health papers. Others may never even pay attention to it. But in an ideal world, you would have health papers on those animals going out, um, especially if those, those buyers and or haulers mentioned that, hey, we, we need to make sure we have these done. 
that's that's difficult to get coordinated. If we had a sale last night, some of those those animals, there may be a truck going out this morning, so it'd have to almost have health papers ahead of time. And I know when you have a live sale, you can you can get those done. And a lot of times there's a veterinarian on staff. But right now, and, and I'm sure it's different in different states and different veterinarians, I have to provide the information of the hauler, the information of the buyer, as well as our information. All of that has to be on there. So it's not just like a blanket sale health paper, which would be much, much more convenient. So I, it, it is something to think about. If they're going door to door, they're going to be on there a while. Send some feed with that hauler. As a seller, you're, you're obligated to do that and, and try to get that animal there in as, as good a shape or provide the tools that it can arrive in good shape. If it's extremely cold, we talk about putting a blanket or a slinky on the, the lambs or goats. Just like the, the buyers, if we're meeting in route, we need to have some type of trailer that's closed up in the wintertime to make sure they're, they're not cold getting to those haulers. I had an experience with a hauler last week that was was late getting a load of, of How animals. many experiences have you had with a, a lot, hauler, Dale? A lot, a lot. He he was late going into Texas, and I was kind of cranky. Can you imagine that, Ryan? He calls me and says, hey, I am kind of cranky because you have hijacked my entire topic. I have gotten off to talk about anything, and we are an <laughs> hour into this. I, w- I will give so it all to you in a second. therefore, I am going to say that we are done. Because no, I'm not even is- going to get to talk about my topic. So my topic is going to be another episode. You're and this is whatever episode you want to call it, because I don't even know what this was. Well, you said you knew nothing about the commercial haulers or the hauling stock shows. It, this- and clearly you have given us every bit of information well, that anybody possibly could have ever thought about. Yes, yes. So this not, is not, not hauling 411. This is Dale's commercial hauling strategy, business plan, proposal. Get I don't them, even know what this is. Get them from point A to B as best we can with low stress. Do not put pregnant animals. That's what happened last oh, week. Oh, sweet Jesus. There were ewes giving birth on the trailer that I had oh, goats going to Texas on. Do you think I was happy about that? Um, are you done now? Can we go to question no, that was, and answer? That was, no, that was, that was pretty much the last one that I had. Oh, thank Jesus. And I am <laughs> sorry. And, I, and I'm gonna, I mean, I've got an announcement before question and answer. Uh, I do too, but mine's more important. You do, you do I, yours mine first. is I'm going to apologize to everyone because this was not my topic. This is not what I had intended. It's I will save imp- my topic for somewhere else. And Dale's thesis on commercial yes. hauling is what it was. Yes. Uh, yeah. Informative. So, sure, we'll go with that. Um, before we go to question and answer, which I've never looked forward to in my life, and I am looking forward to for the first time ever. Um, Leonard Truck and Trailer is the single largest sponsor of the BTR JLA. They are dedicated to providing the best service, selection, and value. Their efforts are focused on meeting and exceeding customers' expectations every day because they know that the continued success of Leonard Truck and Trailer relies on their ability to satisfy every customer. They are committed to being the one-stop trailer source, largest selection of trailers in the nation, on-the-spot financing, a custom vinyl department, in-house warranty department, and comprehensive parts service. It is apparent why they have proven themselves to be the only place that you need to shop for all your trailer needs. Again, Leonard Truck and Trailer, they are a corporate sponsor. They are a national sponsor. They are a region sponsor. They are a state sponsor. We really, really do appreciate them. I have an announcement. (laughs) That's all you've done is announced. We've educated. I, I, I bet I won't get a single 
text on online hauling now, or how do we do it? We're, we're, we've got that covered. Yeah, I would say so. This announcement's pretty big. Okay. And, and you're unaware of it, but we may uh-huh. have to back down beyond the rain to once a month. Huh? Yeah. Once a month instead of once a week. You want to know why? Why? Because we get piles of question and answers. But you know what we have? I, I, I realized this this morning when I was trying to pull some together. We get so few questions now that are going to get you fired up. We don't have enough good question and answer that would get you. That's because you don't up. go through the messages on Facebook and the emails and all no, this. I do. I do get the message. I only. I only go through the Beyond the Ring messages usually. I, I need yeah, to get you don't go the, through maybe, the spam ones. No, I don't even know how to get to the spam ones. That's a lie. I've told you. But, but anyway. we need we, people. We need more question and answers that'll get Ryan fired up. These questions are good questions. We get lots of good questions, but we we enjoy the ones that get him fired up. Mm-hmm. The first one's a little long. Hold on. Oh, okay. Not that you haven't been long-winded enough already, but... I shortened this one as best I could, and and, and Mark sent this when He says, this doesn't need to be a question and answer. It's a little long. And I said, oh, that's, that's, we'll, we'll make it work. I have a question for both of you and appreciate any feedback. I did not grow up in the show world, nor did I grow up with livestock. So as our nine-year-old daughter has started showing cattle, this is all very new and unfamiliar to me. I'm learning alongside her. We do not have many clinics in our area, but the ones that we do, we go to. We watch YouTube videos. We purchase books, etc. We just got back from a fit show and feel so discouraged. We tried finding someone to help us, and no one was willing, and some were pretty rude. Thankfully, this hasn't always been the case, and those that have been willing to help us definitely have a future customer out of us as we have four young children, so lots of cattle buying in the future. What suggestions do you have for us to learn? Uh, well, I'm sorry that y'all had a bad experience at the show. Uh, that's tragic. I think that you should be very grateful that you get to fit because we don't get to do that a lot in Texas anymore. So um, look on the bright side of that. I think probably the one thing that I I would suggest to you from here on out is it, it sounds like you waited till you got to the show to find somebody to help you. Fit your animals, probably need to get that lined out before. And uh, the easiest and best way that I know how to do that is whoever you decide, and you alluded to this, whoever you decide that you're going to buy these animals from, when you go there, say, hey, we want a show. i got four young kids, all this other stuff, but I've got to have somebody there at the shows to do this. Is that in your wheelhouse. Can you do that for me? If you can't do it, can you put me in contact with people that can? And uh, I talk about it all the time, and we've talked about it on the podcast. You, the more communication between you and whoever you might buy from about what your needs and expectations are from them, the better off you're going to be. Uh, when you're at a show and you don't have somebody there and you're scrambling, running around trying to find somebody, and everybody else is busy working on the ones that they brought to the show or they're hired to do, I, I, I get that people were probably not overwhelmingly friendly and stuff like that, and I, I am sorry about that. Probably best to get that lined out before. And Mark, I think you're on the right track. You alluded to that those that, that are doing that or are trying to reach out to you that you've bought from, um, you're going to stay with them. And I think that's that's good. It's difficult. I think he he alluded it was longer than that, that he buys out of state. So maybe that that breeder or that broker is not able to be there. But more times than not, they're going to know somebody in that area that they can put you in touch with 
especially if we do this well in advance, that's probably willing to help you. The downside of this, Ryan, you did not mention, it may not be cheap to get a fitter to every show and to have them work on your animals. No, it's not cheap, but if that's what you got to do, that's what you got to do. In Texas, we don't have to. No fit shows, we just go. Yeah, and it sucks. (laughs) The next question is from Connor. When purchasing a show steer, what is a good rule of thumb for a steer's date of birth to get an ideal finish weight for a state fair, say, late July, early August? Do you typically look for an April Mayborn calves? These online sales make it hard to get true frame size via picture or video. I'm sure there can be thing for holding or pushing to get that perfect way to, in general, just searching for ideas. Well, Dale, I'm going to let you handle this because you know me very well. And the people that actually have been involved in the buying process with me know me pretty well and know that I literally ask no questions. I don't ask the damn. I don't ask the sire. I don't ask the age. I don't ask that. I find the one I want, and I say, this is the one you need, and you need to write a check for it. So by all means, Dale, go right ahead. And well, I, I don't. Continue on with your master class of thesis and documentary that you've been doing I can do. I can do this one. But you know, the first time you told me that you didn't ask about the sire of the damn age, nothing. Just like you said, I don't even know that I believed you. I don't. <laughs> no. And why wouldn't you want all that information to make a more? Because I don't need that information. I know the animal that I want to feed, and that's all I need to know. <laughs> don't you think knowing how some of those. Nope. Worked out pretty well for me. I, I got results. <laughs> Sorry. I am. I mean, if I don't know anything about those genetic lines of that breeder, then they it's a very little value. They could be lying to you. They could. And more or than likely. Whoever they bought that thing from could have been lying to them. So, I mean, seriously. I want, I want to go on the record, ask the breeder what they think. Ask the breeder the you age. Can if you can ask him. Everybody does what they do. I do not oh, ask gosh. questions. I do not. It makes people mad. It gets them uncomfortable. I can figure out which animal I want to feed without all that nonsense. I very rarely ask people at the backdrop what stuff is out of when I judge shows. And the only reason I do it now is because Daddy James is going to question me on it when I get home. (laughs) I love it. Okay. So I, I will take your question, Connor. I'm happy to take your question. I understand, especially on online sales, you can't do it by looking at the picture. You can't do it even maybe by a birth date that's posted, every animal is going to have a different growth curve, whether they're early maturing, late maturing, whatever it may be. Against Ryan's wishes, I think the only thing that you can do, uh, you can go look at them in person and don't ask any questions and just kind of ballpark that animal size and maturity pattern and hope that you do well. Ryan has proven that's it just successful. just going to guess is figuring out what age it is and then all this other stuff. I'm telling you, it's... <laughs> Connor, I would recommend, I don't, I don't even know, I mean, age in some cases, if you have age requirements or certain requirements, you can't show them over a certain age or, or things like that. You might want to ask for those purposes. But I think the most important thing to do, and, and, and again, it's, it's asking a question. If I have somebody call me, and this, I'm going to relate it to, it, to a goat, but we can, we can cross-reference. They say, hey, I'm, I need a goat for Dallas, or I need a goat for Kansas City or for Phoenix, and I know that time frame, which ones are going to fit in that, that window and, and get along the best for us at that time. Same thing with the steers. If you call up Connor and, and you're, you've got a breeder that has an online sale, and again, Ryan's right, they can lie to you. They can push you whatever direction they, they want. I don't know how to rectify or how to stop that. But I can assure you, if, if they do lie to you, you don't need to go back to them. And if somebody treats you well and gives you that guidance, 
and they say, okay, you need to be on lots two, three, and four. They are the right age. They're the right maturity pattern to fit your state fair late, late July, early August. And, and to me, when buying online and you can't be there in person, that is, that is really your only option. And you could be misled, but I, I would think that over time, those breeders and misleading people are going to have a fairly limited market and hopefully will not be around. Is that acceptable, Ryan? Y'all do whatever you want to. I'll tell you what I do. What are you going to do again? I forgot. I'm not going to ask any questions. I'm just going to pick out the one I want. You're going to walk in, see the animal, tell your, your, your family we buy it or we don't buy it. This is the one you need. Does the, the breeders that have not. do the breeders that have not worked for me with, with you before find that a little odd that you're not asking any questions? No, no, they're fine. <laughs> they, they, Dale, you you show animals every day, and I'm telling you, even though you answer every question, you don't like doing it. Oh, well, I, I think when there's a situation, you have to. Otherwise, I agree, you have to. You do the right thing, but you still don't like doing it because well, it takes it takes probable- a lot of time. And probably you've answered the same thing about the same goat to five different families. Agreed. Correct? Agreed. Agreed. So, Agreed. Yeah. But it, so they love me for not asking questions. But I'm I, a very I, popular person. <laughs> I encourage the families to do it because they, they aren't going to know. We, we had a goat in our sale last night with our top five or six lots. One of them, uh, as lot four, was a goat that was never going to get over 80, 85 pounds. I don't care if you feed him for a year and a half. That's just he's gonna he's gonna look the best at that weight or lighter. Without me saying something about that in a picture, it just it's too you can get some ideas, but it's too hard to tell. So yeah, I'm I'm back to ask me any questions you want. If you uh, have Ryan in charge, he's not gonna ask questions. Nope. Nick. Jimmy, I told you none of these would get you fired up. Remember, I told mm-hmm. you this in advance. I didn't get me fired up. I just tell you what I do next. I listen to your podcast every Friday and appreciate all you both do for the industry. What are your thoughts on making all national level market shows terminal? Terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Done. Enough said. Terrible idea. I do not I do not think that is a good idea. And some of them are, and some of them aren't, and whatever. I truly believe to make it better for everyone. And again, there there are gonna be people like me and others that have one specifically on feed for every single show there's out there. And so it's not going to affect us because whether that one wins or makes the sale or whatever, you're probably, even if you take that one home, you're probably not going to show that one at the next show because you've got one directly targeted for that. And uh, I can, I can just tell you at the Fort Worth steer show, you don't have to sail. They place top 10 steers in every class, and those make the sale, but you can pull. I sold one steer in Fort Worth my entire life because it was a breed champion and it had to. Uh, All the other ones I pulled just because you never know what's going to happen. Those were good cattle. We took them home. They didn't go anywhere else, but something could die. Something could break a leg. You never know. But I think there are going to be those people that have one for every show. I think the masses, by and large, aren't going to have those numbers. And so, therefore, if something doesn't work out as planned at that show, they could take that animal home, you know, adjust in terms of trying to get it back 100% or holding it a little bit longer to another show and be able to participate again. So I do not think any of those shows should be terminal. I think that's interesting. 
unless you make the sale. There, I, I was going to clarify that. If you have a yep. like in the goats, the division champion reserves, the grand reserve, right. those, those are required to sell. Right. I mean, yep. Maybe you can leave, but you'd be foolish to do so. No, I mean, if you make the sale, then I get it. And then, like I said, I'm not saying that even the ones that. Uh, of course, if you're a breed, a division champion, whatever, you should have that animal should have to die there. And in most of like San Antonio, Houston, Angelo, Austin, no matter where you place, if you make the sale, you're dead. That's it. And I, I have no problem with that either. So isn't it right? And, and I don't know the other species, but I'm pretty sure the lambs and goats at all the other majors except Fort Worth, everybody oh, dies. Yeah. Yeah, they but all see, go on the truck. Like no matter whether you're first or last, you're all of them go on the truck. Right, steers don't have to, but the small animals do. The steers can go home if they don't play, don't make right. the sale. Yeah, I was small wasn't, animals do. And are, are they allowed to show? Is it legal to show them again? Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, there's, I, there's I always thought that gone was worse. <laughs> San Antonio, Houston, Austin. I mean, they make the whole little. I thing. was totally unaware of that, and I and that, I think I think that's that's why I don't think it should be terminal unless you make the sale because there are people that may just have one. Well, how do they justify making lambs and goats or pigs terminal and not steers? Dude, I don't run the shows. That's very odd to me. Clearly. Very odd. If I ran the shows, there would be one rule. It started at noon. Hello? Well, that that's uh, we, we had a client here yesterday, and my daughter, youngest daughter, Katie's down the barn, and they <laughs> and I and I asked them. They didn't ask me, Ryan. I asked them, well, what what what's your targeted shows? They said, we'd like to show in the fall and, and possibly even into Denver. And my, my daughter speaks up, Katie. I'm thinking, wow, she she usually just kind of lets others. Be working on Jessica Rabbit, my cow. She she worked on Jessica Rabbit. She did got that done. I don't know. She why says she, needs she to be says in the goat I barn. she needs to be with my cow. When this when this family said something about Denver, Katie was absolutely opposed to it. <laughs> no, do not go to Denver. She says I, she doesn't even know these people. Do not go to Denver. Why was she upset about Denver? Uh, probably because they don't let you have a halter. Well, that, that, that's probably part of. They do now. You can now. Oh, okay. No, she she told the story, and that this was I don't know, probably her first or second year showing it. We used to go to Denver all the time. She says, "I'm showing my goat in Denver, and I'm walking out of the class, and they make me go to this this pen, and you put them through a little doorway, and they're gone. Every goat, as soon as you walk out of the ring, is gone. They're they're taken to the to the packing plant, and she is." avidly opposed to that you should at least have a little bit of time with your animal and she was very very genuine in her discussion with this family do not go to denver because of that well at least she gets to see jessica rabbit forever in the pasture she does and let's let's hope that that all works out well for her but i believe the same thing at the majors most of those when you come out of the ring you're going to the truck that's just that's just the terminal shows that's how it is i i think in some situations ryan in Denver, I'm gonna I'm gonna defend Denver here because of of my daughter being a little bit negative about it. Of course, she would. I think some of the shows in Denver has a phenomenal sale. I think they've done a, a really really good job of fostering buyers and 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 getting that support locally there from Denver into the stock show. But it's a really good sale. There's a lot of things to it, and and I, I, I maybe Ryan, you can tell me. I'm assume, I, I know that that the lambs and the goats, and I assume the hogs are all terminal there. The steers terminal as well. They were. I don't know if they were this year. Most other years they were, but I don't. I don't know about this year. Yeah, it was my. It was my impression that they that all species market I thought, species I thought were that's there. How it was, but again, and, and we, I we, mean, I can't say for certain. 
that's the case this year. But normally, yes. So with with that said, and because there is such a good sale, and and depending on the species, like in the goats, I believe it's all your division champions and reserves. In the pig show, I think it's sometimes your class winners or first and second classes. They they bring quite a few into the sale, and it's a good sale. And it's considered a national show. I, I think to some degree that when it's terminal like that, you're buying that animal and that we know that is that end point. That if you take it there, it's done. I feel a little I feel like it's a little more prestigious because of it. And maybe that's a very odd thought, but I but I see it that way. I don't think that all shows should be that way. I think if you have a sale like Denver, if you can get most of those animals or or the, the top end, those kids that do well sold really well. I think some of them are willing to take that risk to lose the animal to get there. So there's there's definitely risk and reward involved in it. But I, I'm not opposed to a national show that gives a premium payout and away you go, just like a, a monster jackpot show. But then it's just like that. It's called maybe more of a jackpot show than a national show. I don't I don't know. I don't think I don't think there's any one good way. And I think all all national shows maybe should do it a little bit different. And that way, people can pick and choose because I think everybody has different opinions on it. There you go. Wonderful. That is, I only have those three. And again, okay. Can I make? Can I make that plea? What plea? Please send some questions in that that might get Ryan fired up. Uh, well, I I don't know about all that. I am. I I try to limit this to two, but I just forgot about this anyway. I have been forgetting about my good buddy Scott, who did Region Six Lamb sponsorship. And uh, getting it done, show stock, and uh, the reason is because it's Region 6. It's all the way down there on the end of my list. So I'm going to plug him for his sponsorship of Region 6 lambs. Getting it done, show, show stock is located in Berryville, Virginia, and it has a great success over the years. Scott's goal at getting it done, show stock is to raise, broker, and sell high-quality show lambs and show goats that can be competitive in every, any and every level of stock show competition. Thank you, sir. Sorry that there was three this week. I always That's okay. Thank him. you, Scott. I am I am good with that. Ryan, there is one other thing we need to bring out about the sponsorships. God, what? We need California in that region out there. To, what what oh, region? Jesus, what? region one. Y'all got to pull it together. Okay, what, what states are in region one real quick? Oh, my God. Now you ask me that. Come on. Uh, hold on. You, why do you, you ask me You know these things. things. You no, know sir, these I cannot things. read them all off. California, Arizona. Hold on, let me get you the exact list because well, what, yeah, while but, Ryan's pulling up that exact list, it's reason incredible. one, y'all pull it together. We we've gotten sponsorships and in, in in I mean, right for the most we part, have sponsors Ryan, in every other region but one, but one, and and it wasn't every like we one. went out and, and begged these people. That they, no, they, they all came they were to us. gracious to come. Amazing, but we're we're begging region one. Hey guys. Anybody like, seriously, I do not understand. And y'all have probably as many members in region one and as many active members as anybody. And there has not been one soul out there even said anything, but it is Washington, Oregon, Idaho. Now I will say that Idaho's whole state is sponsored like for all species, Canada, Nevada, Utah, Arizona, and New Mexico. That is region one. And there is not. Let's one let's get on board with Region One, guys. For that region that has been sponsored, they'll and they'll, they'll only... come. They'll come in there. We're, we're still going to make sure there's some some awards for those kids out there, but we can we can make it even better with some sponsorship. And and again, we're so thankful. We've had so much sponsorship from from all the others. It's it's incredible. It's just it's 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 odd how that maybe nobody listens to the podcast out in Region One, Ryan. 
Maybe they don't even know about it. We do have three of the regions completely done. We have cattle in Region 4 sponsored. Uh, two, I've got two people working that I'm dealing with right now on two different species. Region 1, let's hear from you. With that said, Ryan, until next week, all of our listeners, be safe. Y'all come back now, you're here, and next week we'll actually have a topic that people want to talk about. 